You are now listening to Broken Home Survivalist. Okay, what's up? What's up? We are back. It's episode three, y'all. So, man, it seems like these are small baby steps, but we are definitely moving in the right direction. I appreciate every single one of y'all that keeps tuning back in. Um, I can see y'all from episode one to two that um, those downloads are continuing to increase. Everyone's listening 100%. So I appreciate that. If I could just get y'all to please start emailing in, let me know a little bit more what y'all want to hear, or if you appreciate it, if you hate it, let me know what you want to hear. Uh, for today's episode, I wanted to flip things around a little bit, bring the tempo up, bring up the the uh, the energy. I don't want everything to be so down and low all the time. So I just wanted us to have this community where we're all together. But today I'm going to throw together uh, a little happier episode and a, a funny story that happened when I was younger, because if you are anything like me, you did not have the privileges of going to places like the fair in the zoo and all that shit. So let's dive in to a little story about my first time going to the local fair. Let me tell you a story. Okay, so if you have listened to episode one and two, and like we already discussed, I assume that most of y'all have, you know that in the first few years of my life, uh, I had a decent upbringing. And from from what I was told from my mom, and I think I might have seen one photo, I, th- I think I did go to a fair or two when she was married uh, to her ex-husband, but I was much too young to remember. All I remember is from that age around seven, eight years old when uh, on up when uh, we had nothing. And I don't remember ever going to any fairs, any zoos, none of that. I saw commercials on TV. Um, kids at school were always telling me about these places, but it was the closest I had got to any fair. Now, if you remember, uh, especially if you're local, uh, I'm a, I'm just going to dive in a little bit with the people that are local. So we had this mall. It's no longer a mall, but there was a mall at the time. It was the South Sound Mall it was down in Lacey, Washington. Now, this is not to be confused with the South Center Mall, which was much cooler up north. But this was the South Sound Mall. And once a year, they had one of those little traveling carnival type things that would set up a couple rides in the parking lot. And um, people could just, you know, roll through, take a ride on the Ferris wheel, play a couple games, whatever. Now, being that this was in the parking lot, you didn't have to pay to get in. Now, a lot of times, of course, we would go there and just loiter until we got kicked out. We would pretend we're at the fair but we, you know we weren't on any damn rides we definitely weren't buying any food or playing any games that shit was too expensive but uh the bus pass back then was 25 cents so we would hop over there and we would go hang out 
at the South Sound Mall, um, at the little little rides that they had in the corner. Nothing, nothing fancy there, but at least I felt like I was in the environment and I could see my friends from school and bullshit and pretend like I was doing something. Now, that's not the story I wanted to share. Now, the story I wanted to share is extremely embarrassing, humiliating. Uh, I like I said, I've never been to a real fair and we had like one of the biggest in the country in the city of Puyallup, Washington here locally. And pretty much everybody from my school, you know, outside of my immediate circle have all been, it was no big deal to them. But to me, all I had seen was these commercials on TV, everybody singing a song, do the Puyallup and all this stuff. And I was just like, man, that place looks dope, man. I don't, it'd be nice if I could ever go, but I didn't think I'd ever get to go. But one year, um, now this was uh, seventh grade, I believe. So I was probably, I don't know, how, how old are you in seventh grade? Like 13 or something like that. So um, maybe 12, whatever. That's not important. Anyways, so I had become, I had recently moved neighborhoods. And eventually, you know, from the first, uh, first or second podcast, and I told you about me not knowing my birth father. Now, again, I'm jumping, I'm jumping around here, but please stick with me because I'll get to that story again later. But um, eventually I did get to meet uh, my biological father. And at this time in my life, this was when we were attempting to build this awkward bond and, and I got to live with him and meet my sisters that I had never got to meet and all that stuff. And um, so anyway, imagine this kid who is, you know, like I said, seventh grade, and I'm at that awkward stage in my life where I'm too young, but I'm not quite a man, but, you know, I'm getting to know my biological father, and I'm looking for that father figure, but I'm also too too much of a big kid to uh really embrace him as a father so anyways um I was staying with him at the time when I had uh changed schools because he lived he lived in a completely different neighborhood which um it was still apartments and stuff nothing too fancy but to me compared to what I was used to this was like Bel Air status like I was just like man you know like you don't have to worry about walking to the corner getting beat up all this stuff or whatever so it was awesome environment as far as I was concerned so anyways because I was going to this new school making new friends living in this new community this was at a time in my life when I started to make a lot of white friends and this was like a whole new level for me um I ended up making uh, friends with this one kid. Um, I don't know how much information I'll give out here, but I'll, I'll, I'll give out his first name. I'm sure he's okay with that. So anyway, his, his name was Alex. And my friend Alex, they were like the richest people I ever known. Now, now that I'm an adult and I, you know, sh- struggled to make my own life and build my own empire within my family, I can see that you know, they were just like kind of a standard upper upper middle class 
family. But to me, like they were basically millionaires. Right. So um, when I'm getting to know this kid and he at this point in my my life, I don't think I actually got to maybe I got to see his house yet. I'm not sure if I got to see his house yet. But anyways, um, he asked me one day at school. He said, hey, me and my family are going to the Puyallup Fair. My mom wanted to see if you wanted to go with us. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is this is my chance. I get to go to this fair that I've always seen on TV and like I've never got to go. So I'm telling him like, yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Like, let me let me check with my dad because that's who I was staying with at the time. So I go home that day and I'm like, hey, dad, like they're going to the fair this weekend. They said I can go if you know, is that OK if I go with them? And he's he's like, sure. You know, I don't I don't care. Like, go ahead. Because, like, you know, for from his standard, that's from his point of view. He's like, yeah, you, you get to go and I don't have to drive you and pay and all that stuff. Cool. So anyway, the the weekend finally arrives, the long awaited weekend. So just imagine you know, seventh grader me got my big Coke bottle glasses on, got my hair all messed up because I still don't know how to do my damn hair. And Alex pulls up, jumps out of the ride. I think it was a minivan or SUV or something like that. And he comes down the stairs to the apartment. He says, he's like, hey, man, you ready to go? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm ready to go. So I run up the stairs to the parking lot. We hop into the into the van and then him and his mom look at me and said, you, bring, you remember to bring your money? And then my heart sank. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, because like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, damn, I guess I don't understand how how things are done in this neighborhood. Like I thought y'all invited me. So I thought, you know, it was like a treat or something. So they were like they were laughing at me. They were like, well, go inside and get your money. You know, you need to be able to get a ticket and go in there and you know, go on the rides and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, I'm I'm thinking at this moment, I'm like, damn, they invited me just as a ride. They expect me to have money. So I'm going in the house and I'm trying to go in, into the house as quiet as I can, because, again, my biological father that at this point in my in my life, I don't even think I'm calling dad or anything like that. He's sleeping on the couch because he works long graveyard shift doing janitorial work. And the last thing I want to do is wake this man up because it's like the most disrespectful thing that, you know, his newly found son can do. But um, they're waiting outside in the van. So, you know, I kind of tap him on the shoulder. and I'm like, hey, uh, sorry to wake you up, you know, but uh, you know how they wanted to take me to the fair? He's like, what is it? You know, what is it, Ty? I said, man, they, you know, they they wanted me to bring some money. Do you have any money? And then he sits up and I could tell like right away. I was like, oh, shit, he sat up. He, he's not happy. He looks at me and he says, they want they want money. They want you to. Well, you didn't tell me that. And I said, I didn't know that. So he goes into his wallet. And again, like my my heart just hurts and like for so many different reasons at this moment. I can see him going to his wallet. He's got maybe $15 and he grabs a $5 bill and he hands it to me. And he's like, I'm sorry, that's, that's all I can give you. Now, 
I appreciated the the hell out of this because I could again I could see how much cash he had. This was before debit cards were all you know common and and stuff. Everybody was still carrying cash back then, and I, so I knew. I said, "Man, he gave me five bucks. This man's got probably ten dollars left until payday." You know that was big of him. He's probably you know trying to help out, trying to help me out, trying to make a good impression because we were still building our relationship at the time. Um. So I get the five dollars. I go back into the van and I'm just expecting them to say, well, you know, we're, we're going to go ahead and go. You can just go back inside. Sorry for the misunderstanding. That's what I was expecting. But I get in there. I said, all, all I got is five bucks. And Alex's mom looks at me and she's like, well, that's not even enough to get in, dear. I'm just like, I don't know, I'm just sitting there with this look on my face. And I can only imagine what they were thinking of me at this moment because I knew that they they were definitely not used to dealing with a child like me so they're or a family like mine. They probably never even knew a family that lived in an apartment complex, to be honest. And she said, that's fine, just close the door, let's go. So I'm thinking... Well, since I'm used to, like I told you earlier in the story, I'm used to going to the fair and hanging out and it's still an experience for me. That's what I'm thinking I'm about to do. I'm like, well, they're going to be nice enough to help cover the ticket to get in. But at least I'm going to get to walk around and just see this awesome fair that I hear so much about. So we go in there. And they do. They pay for us to get in. I still have my five dollars. So I'm thinking, ooh, I still got five dollars. Maybe I can get a hot dog or something or I don't know how much how much is it to ride the rides. Like maybe I can ride one ride or something like that. She says, OK, boys, come here. This is right when we, you know, we walk through the gates at the Puyallup Fair. And I go up to her and I see her just fork out a bunch of cash over to my friend Alex. And I'm thinking like, oh, OK, well, maybe he'll share a little bit. And then she turns to me and she goes, and here's some for you. Now, to be honest, at this moment, I can't exactly remember the exact amount, but I want to say it was somewhere between 80 and and $100. I had never held that much money in my hands in my life at this moment. And she just gave it to me like it was nothing. And she even apologized. I'm sorry it's not that much, but we weren't expecting to, you know, give you some money. And I'm... I'm like, oh, my God, this is so much money. It was so much money. I didn't even want to spend it. I just wanted to hold it and bring it back home. But um, I'm, I could tell that my friend Alex was surprised at my expression. Like he was like, dude, that's it's not even that much money. You know, <laughs> I think because I think she probably gave him like 200 bucks. But um, anyways, this was the most like magical day. I was the most happiest child in that fair, I guarantee. And I wasn't even a child. I was, like I said, I was a damn teenager. So I'm trying to act cool, trying to, you know, pretend like, you know, yeah, this, this is like a normal day for me. But I was, the expression was just all over my face. Like it, it was written on my forehead, like, he could definitely tell. 
this was not a normal day for me. So he was doing the best he could to escort me around. He's like, yeah, this is where this is at. This ride is my favorite. This is where you get the scones. And, and again, I'm like, what the hell is a scone? I don't even know what the hell a scone is. He's like, you don't know what a scone is? So we go and get in this long ass line. And I'm thinking, man, look at look at this line. This line is crazy. I don't know what the hell a scone is, but man, this shit's going to be the fucking bomb. So, you know, we're wait, waiting for probably, I don't know, 35 minutes or something. We finally get up there and he's like, yeah, I'll take I don't even know what the fuck he ordered because I ain't even ordered this shit since because that, that kind of gives you an idea of my impression of this thing. But he's so he orders the shit. We get these little bags. And I open it up and I'm looking in it and I'm like, I waited 35 minutes in line for a biscuit with some jelly in it. And he's like, no, it's awesome. You got to try it. So I bite into it and I'm thinking, oh, it's going to taste so much different than what it looks like. And I oh, got it in my hand. I take this big bite and nope, it tastes like a biscuit with some jelly in it. And I know that there's a bunch of people that are going to be listening to this. They're going to be pissed off at me for saying that, but I don't know if it, my palate is different from the way I grew up or I don't appreciate different tastes and things that people are used to getting at the fair, probably since they were a kid. But my first scone was seventh grade Puyallup fair. I was not impressed. And I can honestly say, I've never ordered scones since because that's how much of an impression it made on me. There was one time when my wife had bought some scones for her family recently is maybe five years ago. And I tried it again thinking maybe I misremember it. Nope. I'm just not impressed. Anyways, now that I've uh, got a bunch of you that unsubscribed from the podcast and uh, writing your angry emails. I can get back to the rest of the story. <laughs> so um, after we get that out of the way and we spend hours and hours of time walking around, which, you know, again, is one of the biggest fairs in the country, which I didn't know at the time. But like, yeah, now I can appreciate it. We come across this ride and I, for the life of me, cannot remember the name of it. But anyways, it's this thing that's, you know, it's doing all this stuff. It's spinning around in a circle, upside down, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, we got to get on that. So let's do it. So we go on the ride. And this was, aside from... I think we might have ridden the Gravitron, that UFO spinning thing. I think we had might have done that a couple times that day. But it did not have the impression on me that this ride did. Maybe because I went upside down. Maybe because it went up so high. I don't know what it was. But somehow, some way, this ride was the ride for me. We waited in line got on board, went around, upside down, spinning around really fast, everything I expected it to be. I did not want to go on anything else after that. 
Alex wanted to show me other things, keep writing other things. I was like, no, we're getting right back in line. So we went right back in line. We rode that thing. I don't even know how many times, but eventually it got to a point where when we were on the ride, they just held our hats for us and just told us we could stay on because I don't think there was a line at that point. So they would just restart the ride. And I think, man, I gosh, I don't even know how many times in my mind, I want to say it was like 30 times, but of course I'm going off of my teenage crazy brain that was super excited to be there. And it's, you know, 20 something years later. So just to be safe, I'm going to say we did it like six times, but it was a lot. So in the price of the tickets of this place, even back then, we're not the cheapest. So I don't even know. I think I probably spent the majority of my money on that ride. And when the day came to an end, it was, again, like, if Alex is listening to this, man, thank you to you and your family. Because this was one of many, many things that they exposed me to. Because if it, man, this family for real, like, it was the fair, like my first time on a boat going fishing. They took me, I learned how to ride dirt bikes. I learned how to ride horses, like all that, like typical suburban class or, you know, slash uh, country slash white, like whatever you want to categorize stereotypical shit that it is. Like I learned it all there, man. So anyways... When I got home, I know I'm like kind of skipping ahead a little kind of fast, but, you know, so we eventually all linked back up and found each other, went back out through the gates, hopped in the ride, got on that long freeway drive back. Uh, looking back, you can see as you're going southbound on I-5, you can see the Puyallup Fair lights are still flashing at night, making it home, make that long trek back to good old Lacey, Washington. And, uh, yeah, so when I get home and I'm telling my dad about what had happened and he was basically, he kind of told me that he didn't really remember all that much of what happened when I left. And to be honest, he was like, man, I, I gave you five bucks. I didn't know I, he was, I think he was kind of upset, but he was trying to play it cool, but I had some more money left over still that I gave him back. So I squared that away. So we were cool. And, you know, he was happy that I got to have a good time, all that stuff. And man, when I went to school, I was like the next week when school started, I was that awkward kid that was talking way too much about the fair because I was way too old to be so excited about the fair. And everybody is like, yeah, I know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've been on that ride. Like, why are you still talking about it? Yeah, I had a scone. I had, yeah, like, I'm just like, I'm sorry to keep talking, y'all, but this is still new to me. I needed somebody to talk to. So, anyways, that was awkward, embarrassing, but exciting and a great memory of mine. Um, 
but I, I just wanted to share something that was positive, but also something relatable because there are so many people out there that take things for granted in their life and especially a lot of children and including my own, I'm sure because, because of the way I grew up, I tried to give my kids everything and for them going to the fair is nothing going out to eat is nothing. And there's, I just want to remind people out there that there are so many little things that you're doing like every day, every weekend that other kids are just praying for. And there's, I guess a, a, one of the things I want to put out there too, is if there is younger kids listening to this and you just feel like you're stuck somewhere, you know, if, if you're a young teen, you know, preteen, like 10, 10 to 18 years old or something like that. And maybe you've also never experienced that. Maybe you've never even experienced the local fair at the mall. Cause there, may, there's some places in other communities that are not like the one I grew up in. Some place, some people are an hour away from the nearest mall. They never even gone to the mall. Even that is something that they're praying to do one day. And you know, I get that. I know how that feels and I know how it is to have to, especially it's one thing to be in your community where everyone's on the same level. You know, if you are in your neighborhood hanging out with the people on your block and all you know is the struggle, all you know is poverty and everybody is wearing hand-me-down clothes, everybody is going to the food bank um, you know, everybody is, you know, getting uh, free meals at school, all that stuff. Um, then when you try to mix into a new community where they don't know that, it, it makes it more difficult because they don't understand where you're coming from. And whether it's the fair or it's the mall or it's riding in a new car, you know, there's just so many new things or so, you know, so many things that we don't realize are a blessing. And I just want to take a moment again to just remind you to take a look at your life and just see the small blessings that you have around. Because right now, you know, 2021, it is so easy to just look around and say, this ain't good, that ain't good, that ain't shit. You know, I don't have this, I don't have that. But I guess I would say to people who are listening to this, if you're one of the fortunate ones and you do live in a community similar to what I grew up in where everybody's kind of commingled and you see on the next street over, you know, maybe you're on that nice block with the nice new homes but, you know, two streets down, you got those duplexes that nobody wants to drive by because it's trashy and it's old. It's got the cars with the wheels on it, loud music, all that stuff. I want you to remember that there's kids who live in those houses, too. And they don't get to choose where they live, but they would really love to just get a glimpse of what you got going on in your life. And if you could just take a moment there, even if it's just an invite 
to a birthday party. You know, maybe they get to have their their first invitation over to a birthday party where you got a trampoline and a new Xbox, something simple that you don't even think of because it's just you just got your trampoline in the backyard. You got your Xbox with tons of games or your PlayStation, your computer, and you don't even realize that two streets over, you know, they're they're turning on the oven to heat the house. They don't have an Internet connection. They're all sharing one broken Android phone on the neighbor's Wi-Fi. You know, it's it's so easy to turn a blind eye to what's going on in the community when it's only a couple streets over. So I don't want to leave this podcast on a low note. I wanted to tell you a a positive story, which I did. And unfortunately, I kind of brought it, brought the energy back down. I don't want to leave y'all like that. So again, I just wanted to, I'll remind you of the awesome, awesome day that I had when I got to go to the Puyallup Fair for the first time when I was in seventh grade with my friend Alex. And that was just the beginning of like a whole nother level because one family took a moment to share their family moments with me and take me along on a lot of different adventures, which I think to this day was part of the stones that led me into the path that I'm on now. There's so many different mentors and people that I ran across in my life that reached out to me that helped me become the man I am today. And I wouldn't have been able to do it if I wasn't grasping all those different opportunities and taking advantage of all those different opportunities. So, um, yeah, happy memories, happy moments and all that darkness that I had going on in my life. And, um, so let's just end it on that and, uh, be thankful to ones around us and appreciate, make sure you thank anybody who's ever been, you know, that positive light in your life, let them know, um, and reach out to them, let them know how much you appreciated that. So anyways, I am rambling on again, not a professional, not a radio host, but we are doing this damn thing. And whenever y'all feel like it, stop being shy. I see the fucking downloads. I see the shares and the likes, and I haven't even pushed this out to my community yet so um because i want to get that genuine uh feedback to see how this is doing before i throw it out to my followers on instagram because i don't want uh people just hopping on here just because they follow me i want people who are really interested in this topic to be on here but by the time we get to episode 10 probably i'm just gonna go ahead and put this out there with my followers so we can uh run these numbers up get some emails in, eventually some phone calls. Hey, if you have the ability to record an MP3 onto your uh, phone and email that in, I will play that as well. So if you have a story, I want to hear your story. If it's if you have um, a, a moment when you 
remember going to the first time to the zoo, to the fair, to the mall, uh, first time going to the barber. That's again, that's a whole nother thing, too. So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about how weird that it is that we didn't experience this shit until we were older. And but, you know, fuck the rest. Fuck the rest of them people. Yeah, this is about us. And uh, yeah, so this is Broken Home Survivalist. I'm Ty Lu. It has been a pleasure and a blessing to have you listen to my voice. Continue to share. Continue to like. Follow us on Instagram at Broken Home Survivalist. There is an underscore between each of those words, but I'm sure you will find me even if you don't put that there. And uh, email. Email is in the show notes, but if you are too lazy to read, it is brokenhomesurvivalist at gmail.com. And I am out of this bitch. Later. The money stacked up in my MCM backpack Bitches in the back of my bed trying to count racks I like them white so they sippin' on Trulies Whippin' to Seattle poppin' tags on Louis V Bitches in the back trying to hit them 180s This beat sick got me feeling hella wavy Sitting up a check at the ATM daily I'm only fucking with the money, bitch got a bad me. bitch coming over She pullin' up in a Rover She ain't coming out the house sober Make it rain no racks, she bendin' over With tricks I never seen Tatted in my brain just like my sleeve She throwin' them hips, I'm flickin' through strips Fine ass bitch and she on me Baguette, stripping down my neck, frozen protect All these bitches barking at me, start to think they a pet Bitch, Rolex steady on my wrist, I'm chill while you press You follow me like paparazzi, start to think you obsessed Racks of these Benji's stay in my pocket Too many stacks don't fit in a wallet Wanted a signature, I just got it Running up my check, I just got it Too many flashing pictures of me Started to make me think of charging fees Started handing me money to eat When it comes to the green, better fucking pay me Got a bad bitch coming over Pulling up in a rover. She ain't coming out the house sober. Make it rain, no rack, she bending over. Doing tricks I never seen. Tatted in my brain just like my sleeve. She throwing them hips, I'm flicking blue strips. Fine ass bitch, and she on me. She on me. It's Puyallup. Puyallup. Pilap? Puyallup. P lap? Q allop. How you call it? Is it P allop? You kind of roll them together. P wallop. I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it right. P wallop. P wallop? P wallop. Exit.